Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Amen. I want to read to you this morning John chapter 6, the first 15 verses, uh, which is in, in fact uh, the very uh, popular and well-known story of Jesus uh, feeding the 5,000. And so let's, uh, you can follow along with me as I read it, but uh, we'll be in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. It says this, Now sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up to the mountainside, sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. Now when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Now Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread uh, for each one to have a bite. Now another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go? Among so many. Jesus said, Have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Now Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. And when they all had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces uh, that are left over, and let nothing be wasted. And so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that are now left over from what had been eaten. Now, after the people saw the sign that Jesus had performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, then knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. In our passage today, Jesus is being followed by a big crowd because of his reputation for healing. Um, And and I would imagine that this would also be true in our culture, uh, that all of us are in need of healing, whether it be physical, whether it be emotional or some other type of healing. Uh, When the prospect of healing is made possible to us, uh, of wholeness, uh, we tend to run to that source of healing. And so certainly a big crowd is following him. And on this particular day, the scripture tells us that the crowd numbers 5,000 men. Now, counting women and children, the crowd is probably much closer to the size of 15 to 20,000 people that are there seeking after Jesus uh, in need of of healing, in need of, of teaching, of guidance, of discernment. Of all the things in which we tend to come to Jesus for, here in this story, there are 15 to 20,000, perhaps even more. Uh, we really don't know how many folks, uh, people seeking after Jesus. Now, just to give you an idea of the size of that crowd, 15 or 20,000 people, uh, if you filled Old Hughes Stadium to 62% capacity, this is the size of the crowd that is following Jesus. Now, in our culture of celebrity, uh, 15 to 20,000 people may not seem that big to us. Uh, when uh, then-Senator Obama, Obama came to uh, CSU campus in 2008, 150,000 people showed up to see this man. 
And so in our culture of celebrity, 15 or 20,000 people doesn't seem like that big of a a crowd, but certainly for uh, this time period, this is an absolutely huge crowd that is following Jesus. And so in light of this crowd who is getting uh, hangry, (laughs) you know what I mean, they're hungry, so they're angry, they're hangry. Uh, There's a hangry crowd that is following Jesus. Uh, So in light of this, Jesus turns to Philip, the disciple, and says, where are we going to get bread to feed these people? Now, if I were Philip, uh, I would have run my response through a filter. And what I would have filtered out would have been something like, why do we need to feed these people? Why can't they just feed themselves? Uh, What responsibility do I have uh, to them? They should have been, if they're going to follow this prophet out into the wilderness, they should have been at least responsible enough to pack a lunch. (laughs) Right? I mean, you want to give people some responsibility. You want to give it away. You want people to grow up, spread some wings, get out of the house, right? (laughs) But he didn't say that. Or, Or at least maybe he was thinking this. Why are you bringing me in on this problem? Aren't you, in fact, Jesus, the Messiah, the long-awaited one? What can I do to help fix this problem? Well, Philip, doing a good job of running all those things through his filter, uh, instead says this. You know, Jesus, uh, it would take half of a year's wages to buy enough bread for a size this crowd to just give everybody a single bite. In other words, what Philip is trying to do is he's trying to bring to Jesus' attention uh, the level of resource or the amount of resource to meet uh, this incredible need that they find themselves uh, facing. And the truth is, is that puts things in pretty good perspective. I mean, half of a year's wages, think of your own wage. Uh, Would you be so quick uh, to give away, uh, to buy a meal that is worth half of your annual wage so that everyone could have one bite? I mean, if you're going to spend that kind of money on a meal, you want to make sure that people are well fed. And so Philip is just putting things in perspective of trying to say, this is the level of resource that is needed to to meet this need. And it puts things in pretty good perspective. But there's a good chance that if you are uh, a type A person, uh, and don't worry, we already know who you are. Um, (laughs) If you are a type A person, then you might be thinking about even more details beyond just the perspective of resource that Philip is trying to provide in the story. And so let's just say that they had enough money to buy the bread. Uh, Where would they go to buy this bread? I mean, they're, they're out in the wilderness. They're on a mountainside. They're not, uh, I mean, they're not near a local uh, restaurant That's more today's terms. And so let's say this. They're not near the local market. And and so even if they had money to buy the bread, the the question becomes, where would they buy the bread? But okay, even that. Let's just say that uh, this story didn't take place on a mountainside in the country. Let's say that they were right inside the city limits. And all of these people had come to hear Jesus teaching. And they had enough resource to buy the bread. And they could go to the local market and get it. It still presents another problem. What kind of baker is going to be able to handle this kind of capacity? This just like that quick. 
And then even beyond that, if, if, even if they had a baker that could handle that kind of capacity of production, how in the world would they carry all of that bread? What would they do to, to ship the bread from where the, the baker is making it to where the crowd is? Well, the point I'm trying to make is that this is a multi-layered problem. And they simply don't have the resources to meet the need. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you can kind of identify with that? I mean, if, if you're anything like me, you have faced situations in your life where there was a need that was far greater than the resources that you had available to you to meet that need. And I'd be willing to bet that you've been there too. I mean, sometimes... Sometimes just the demands of, of modern life outrun our income. And we find ourselves in financial need. And it's not that you're trying to live real extravagantly. It's just that you're trying to get by and, and, and live a decent life. But, but the job wasn't paying enough or, or you weren't getting the work that you needed or the clients weren't paying their bills. And this is a, there was a re- very... Real need, but a lack of resource to meet that need. Or maybe you have a, a need of a different kind. Maybe it's not a financial need, but, but maybe you have a, a need in your life where you need to spend time. Maybe with your kids or your aging parents or, or your friends who need you, but you find yourself pulled in so many different directions and all these different responsibilities and and you simply just don't know if you have just the sheer time to invest in the people that you love because of all the things that you have going on. All of the, the balls that you're trying to juggle or the plates that you're trying to keep spinning. You've got all of these different things and yet you know that you need to spend time as a family in, in prayer or reading scripture. And sometimes you just come to this awareness uh, that, that maybe God might be calling me to give up good things and acceptable things in order that I might pursue the best things. But the reality is, is that there are times when we are needed in so many different directions and there just isn't enough of us to go around. There's a need with a lack of resource. Or maybe if you could just chase the doubt away, you would. But you just can't seem to shake the uncertainty. Maybe it's the uncertainty about who God is or the uncertainty about uh, a particular area of life or direction that you should go. And and you wish that you could come to a place of, of, of confidence, but you just can't seem to shake the uncertainty that consumes you. There's a need. And then there's a lack of resource. Or it could be that something needs to be done. And you simply don't know if you have what it takes to get it done. Maybe you don't know if you have the thick skin to take the criticism. Maybe you don't know if you have the skills to make that happen. Or maybe you don't know if you have what it takes to walk through it. 
Maybe you're uncertain if you really have the grit or the patience or the discernment necessary to be a good parent. Or maybe you don't have the experience to get the job or the credentials that make you qualified or the emotional capacity for more heartbreak or the courage to just let go. Whatever it is, there's something that needs to be done and you just aren't sure you have what it takes to get it done. The truth is we often come to a place in our lives where we face a need, and we simply don't have the resources available to us to meet that need. And we can't do it on our own. I would submit to you that this is actually the great struggle of modern society. We don't like to admit that we can't do it on our own. One of the largest struggles of at least modern American society that has become so individualistic in our thinking and in our practice that, that it becomes really, really difficult when we come to a place and we just have to say out loud, I can't do this on my own. That's number one, a very difficult place to be. But I think there are also times in our life when we just flat out refuse to believe that we can't do it on our own. And we just keep pushing forward. I can do this by myself. I've got this under control. Everything is going to be okay with my resource, with, with, with what I have available at my disposal. And this is, in fact, the great modern problem. The lack of of being able to admit, I need help. I need help. I can't do this on my own. There is a need and there's a lack of resource. Now, despite the total lack of resources to meet the need, Andrew speaks up. And he says, this by the way is uh, my namesake, so let's pay attention. Andrew speaks up and he says, here, here is a boy and he has five small barley loaves and two small fish. To which the other disciples said, thank you for your contribution. (laughs) This is not helpful. (laughs) But Jesus says, tell everybody sit down. Something's coming. (laughs) Because he already had in mind what he was going to do. And so Jesus takes these five small barley loaves. He blesses it. He breaks it. And he passes that out among the crowd. And I want you to notice the imagery of communion. He takes. He blesses. He breaks. Now, there is some debate about how this miracle occurred. Uh, Was there suddenly a a, a large amount of bread uh, perfectly distributed among the crowd in large piles that can be easily passed out? (laughs) Um, Or was something else happening? Was there something else going on? And and the short answer is we don't know for sure. Uh, The long answer is uh, the original language seems to indicate that this is actually a miracle 
of continual supply. Uh, In other words, Jesus didn't just multiply the food so that there was a huge bundle to pass out, but rather there was a continual supply of food as it was being passed out among the crowd. The miracle is more um, this kind of of, of imagery. Here's this, this small loaf that was presented to Jesus by this small boy. Uh, or by this boy, we don't know the size of the boy, I'm assuming he's small. Uh, so there's, the boy has presented this gift, this small gift to Jesus. And the imagery is this, Jesus takes it, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it. And as soon as he returns to the loaf, there's more to break. And he comes back to the source, there's more to break off. And the same, the same miracle is happening for the bread and for the fish, but rather it's just as As Jesus is going by, there's just more and more of a continual supply. I keep coming back to that same source, and it's never ending. It just never runs out to the point where I feed this family, but they have some left over. I feed this family, they have some left over. I feed this group of 100, they have some left over. But the the source, there's just more and more continually available for the source. Isn't it true that God doesn't, Just show us the abundance of what we need right up front. But rather, God calls us into relationship with him where we will receive a continual supply of what we need. And what we need to do is just continually return to the source because at the source, there's a continual supply of precisely what we need. I wonder if this is what Jesus was talking about. When he taught his disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Now, of course, we know that the bread can be taken very literally, right? Like today, Lord, would you give me enough calories, enough sustenance that I need to sustain my life? But, there's, but the bread is also a symbol for something so much bigger and larger, which is why Jesus also says, I am the bread of life. That Jesus says, this bread that gives your body sustenance, I am just like that. That if you will come to me, if you will return to me, if you will find your life in me, if you will find your source in me, you'll find that in me, not only is there life, but there's a continual supply, enough to meet your need every day. It's interesting, too, that the Old Testament writers even knew about this. For the writer of Lamentations, Lamentations, right? This is a sad book. The writer is going through a difficult time. And what does he say? Your grace is made new every morning. There is this sense in which Jesus doesn't just want to show us the big pile of bread that we can kind of pull from whenever we need. But rather Jesus wants to say, here's enough for you today. I'll see you tomorrow. Here's enough for today. I'll see you tomorrow. Jesus, just in his brilliance, is continually calling us and inviting us into just a continual relationship where we would go to him as the source and find our regular supply. Because I'm I'm afraid that if Jesus just said, oh, here's all the abundance that you need, pull from it when you want, I'm afraid that, well, we might let that pile go stale. 
We might be tempted to to remove ourselves from the source because we have the comfort of knowing that this is here. But that's not what Jesus is wanting to do. This whole miracle of continual supply right from the source shows us that what Jesus is trying to do is invite us into a continual relationship with him where we will go and continually have our needs met. But regardless of the nature of the miracle, what Jesus did is he started with five loaves and two fish. And we think the gift is small, and it is. The gift is particularly small considering the size of the need. Again, imagine Hughes Stadium filled to 62% capacity, which, in case you're interested, was roughly uh, the average game attendance in 2012. When we heard that the stadium was closing, people were more interested in going. Uh, so the last year, was, the attendance was great. Uh, but imagine again our, our, our 62% capacity at Hughes Stadium. They're for game day, and they're hungry, not just for football, but for food. And they go to the concession stand, and among all of these folks, the workers of the concession stand say, we have five sandwiches. Does anybody eat sandwiches at football games? It's been a while since I've been to one. Um, so let, but just work with me here. Five sandwiches or hot dogs. That's better. Five hot dogs and two baskets of nachos. <laughs> now tell everyone to share. And that gives us an idea of just how insufficient and small this is. That to feed the hungry football crowd, you would have five hot dogs and two baskets of nachos. And so we have always thought of this gift as small. And it is compared to the need. But I want you to see the gift from the perspective of the boy. To the boy, this gift is absolutely huge because it's everything he has. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I've always thought about the gift as really small compared to the need, but I've always thought, like, what is a boy doing with five loaves of bread and two fish? Like, is he really that hungry? Like, this seems like a gigantic lunch for a boy. Which means the boy, just to him, has an abundance of resource. And if I were him, I would have bargained with Jesus. I would have said, hey, okay, you're Jesus. I have something to give you. Um, How about 10%? How How about I give you one fish... And two loaves. Could you do it with that? Right? I mean, I would, I, would bar, I would use my Dave Ramsey negotiation skills on Jesus with my lunch. That's what I would do. But the boy doesn't do that. To the boy, the gift is huge because he gives absolutely everything he has. In other words, I want to say this. The boy trusted That even if he gave Jesus everything he had, that he 
would still not grow, go hungry. I want to say that again. The boy trusted that even if he gave Jesus everything he had, that he would still not go hungry. In other words, the boy didn't say, Sure, Jesus, I will give you my carefully calculated portion. No. He gave Jesus everything he had. You see, the point of this story is not give Jesus your little bit and watch what he can do with it. The point of this story is give Jesus everything you have even when everything you have is totally insufficient to meet your need. Because you never know what God might do. Because there are so many times in our life, right? When there's a need. But the resources we have are insufficient. And think about how calculated we tend to be, even when what we have, to our, what we have available to us isn't big enough or large enough to meet the need. Think about how calculated we still are with Jesus. That we have a need that we can't meet on our own, and yet we still say, we still try to bargain and negotiate about how much we'll actually give over to Christ. The boy was in a place of abundance and he still gave everything. We tend to be in a place of lack and we still negotiate. And so the invitation of this passage is is not, oh, just give Jesus your carefully calculated little bit and then he'll do something miraculous with it. No, the point of this story is however lacking in resources you are to meet the need in your life, give Jesus everything you have. And that is an invitation. It is an invitation. It isn't this heavy obligation that weighs over us. It isn't do this or else, but rather it is simply an invitation to place our trust in Jesus that even when we give him everything we have, we won't go hungry. You know, sometimes... Sometimes what we have to give Jesus is nothing but our obedience. Right? When we are facing financial need, really, a lot of times, we can't control whether our clients are paying us or or, or the, the work that comes to us or... You know, there's lots of things that are not in our control financially. And so when we face a financial need, a lot of times the only thing that we can give Jesus is our obedience. And we just say to him, you know what, I'm going to act in obedience to you with how I'm spending my money, of where my money is going. And then I'm going to watch Christ prove his faithfulness as I give obediently to his work through the kingdom of God and through the local church. And sometimes there's all we can do is walk in obedience that maybe he's calling us to give something up or forgive that person or start seeking that But whatever it is, in all of these things, there's a lot of points in our life where the only thing we have to give, everything we have to give, is just my obedience to him. God, I don't have anything to offer you. I don't have any tools of the trade. I don't have any resources that will help you out other than 
here I am. I want to walk in your ways. And I want to do as, as you have encouraged me and invited me to do. So sometimes the only thing we can give Jesus is our obedience. There are other times, in, in times of uncertainty and doubt and, and question, a lot of times what we have to give Jesus in those times is not our certitude. No, we can't give that away. We don't have it. But what we can give Jesus are those questions and those doubts. And we can hear him call back to us that those things are okay. You don't have to have all the answers about him, about your life, about theology, about your next step. You don't have to have all the answers. All you need is to trust in him. For the essence of faith is not having all the answers and certainly not being, the essence of faith is certainly not being certain of whatever answers we feel like we have. Rather, the essence of faith is trusting him. And so we give our questions, our uncertainties, our doubts to God. And can we just admit out loud here in church, like this is a pretty good place to be honest, I think. Can we admit out loud that there are times when all we can give Jesus and all that we have left is our pain or our disappointment or our hurt? You know, a lot of times we, we think, well, yeah, the, the, sort of the need that the boy gave was in line with the, the need that was presented. And so we feel like that sometimes what I have to offer has to be able to contribute in some small way. It wasn't much, but at least the people were hungry and he had food. And so a lot of times we think that when, whatever we're giving to Jesus has to be connected to the need. But I would want to say to you today that there are times in life when the only thing we have to give Jesus is our pain, our hurt, and our disappointment. And guess what? Jesus can do stuff with that. In fact, oftentimes, pain and hurt and disappointment is the most fertile ground for the miracles of God. And so Jesus says, if that's all you have, then my invitation is that you would give it to me and not bear it any longer. And you give those things to Jesus because guess what? Jesus isn't intimidated by our pain because he has endured excruciating physical and emotional pain on the cross. You ever thought that Jesus can't handle your pain? <laughs> like he's not familiar with it? I have. I've thought in my life, you know, there have been times in my life where I'm like, you know what, Jesus, you cannot handle my pain right now. And I give him like the face palm, you know, just... And, and then... And then I look at the cross... And I just hear echoing back like God is not intimidated by our pain, but rather can identify with it in ways we have never dreamed. And so we come to Jesus with our pain and then what we, what we get to do is we get to watch him begin to put the pieces back together to bring healing and through all of that process 
he matures us and grows us up in the faith. On the very opposite end, there may be times when we feel as though that we have enough to meet our need. We can live on our own. We can do this. We got this. We can do life without, other, without the help of others and certainly without Jesus. Jesus, I know you're busy. You can take the day off from what I've got going on because I'm good to go. Right? There are seasons and times in our life where we might be tempted to say, you know, God, I've got this. In those moments, we might eventually come to a place where we feel like something is missing. And it's then that we are invited to give Jesus our abundance. And we offer to Jesus, well, we recognize Jesus as the source of true joy, of real riches, of authentic security. Because sometimes what we have to offer Jesus is all of our abundance. You see, the point of this story is not just to give Jesus your little bit. The point of the story is to give Jesus all that you have, even when all that you have is totally insufficient to meet the need because you never know what God might do. But let's be honest, giving things to Jesus is a really hard concept and quite mysterious, is it not? Give things to Jesus. That's kind of pastor talk for, well, I don't even know. (laughs) But it sounds good. And I'm going to do that this week, later on. (laughs) Right? And the truth is, it is hard to know what it means to give something to Jesus. The best way I know how to describe it is this. Be honest about those things with God through prayer. The purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what you think God ought to do. The purpose of prayer is to be properly formed. And if we understand that the purpose of prayer is to be properly formed, then we'll know that it's in prayer that we begin to give things away to God. And so when I talk about giving things to Jesus, what I mean is giving Jesus our questions and our doubts is really being honest with him about those questions. And tell him that you aren't sure. And you do that through prayer by engaging with God. And there's something about saying out loud and saying to God, God, I don't know or I'm not certain about what I'm going to do or about what my next steps are or about the direction that you're calling me or... God, I'm not sure about your character. And in my life, you certainly don't seem all loving, right? Like God can handle those things. And so the way that we give those things away is we engage with God in all honesty through prayer. But prayer is the foundation. And this is a good challenge to me as much as it is to you. I preach to myself as much as I preach to you. (laughs) 
This is why on the back of our notes insert every single week, we provide a prayer for those who are seeking for truth. Because we assume that you have probably walked through these doors not with a whole bundle of certainty that you're ready to lay at the altar. But rather, you might be here and you're just seeking and you're not sure about a lot of things. And so we invite you to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, you claim to be the way, the truth, and the life, but grant that I might be undaunted by the cost of following you as I consider the reasons for doing so. Right? This is like a prayer of, I'm not quite sure yet. And if, you, if you, what you claim is true, then please guide me and teach me and open me up to the reality of who you are. This is a prayer of, of God, if you really are loving, then would you show that? Have you ever prayed a desperate prayer where you were yelling at God? I'll bet you have. And that's okay. Give me an understanding of you that is coherent and convincing that leads to the life that you promise. What we can also do is bring your pain to Jesus in prayer. I heard this this week and I absolutely love it. So this is stolen, but it's great. It says this, face the facts, but focus on his face. Face the facts. Be honest about what's happening in your life. Be honest about the pain. Call it for what it is. Don't, giving your pain to Jesus is not trying to hide the pain or pretend like it's not there. That's never the intention of Jesus. The peace of God does not come through denial. The peace of God comes through our situations, through our pain, through our circumstance. And so face the facts, be honest about it, but focus on his face. That's a great way. That's a great sort of like tweetable truth that can, you can hold on to. And then giving things to Jesus is a little bit like letting your guard down and giving him your honesty. That's the best thing that I can tell you of how to give things away is to actively engage those things, engage those things honestly in prayer before God. But remember what he offers is not the miracle of a huge abundant supply that just sits over here. But what he offers is a continual supply to meet our need. So here's how this plays out in my life. Sit down and pray. And you enter into honest moments with God. God, I'm carrying all this stuff. God, here's what I'm not sure about. I don't know what this is like. But here I am. And you engage with God honestly about all these things. And you get up with your last amen. And you feel just a little bit lighter. Just a little bit more peace to face the day. Just a, just a little bit more strength to go forward. And then by the end of the next day, guess what? I gotta go right back there. Say, God... I need your forgiveness for this. Would you help me forgive them for that? Would you give me strength to face the day? And by the way, I'm just really uncertain about all these things. But then you come to a place to the end of your prayer.
Lord have mercy. For Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Amen. And you get back up. Because God, what God wants to offer you is a continual supply. Return to the source. And there it is, day after day. Amen. Don't just give Jesus your little bit. Give him everything you got. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today, we want to be in a place where you would show us, teach us what it means to give things away to you. Lord, today we rest on the promise that your grace is sufficient to meet our every single need. Whatever our need is today, whether it's a need of clarity, whether it's a need of peace or encouragement or strength or healing, reconciliation, whether it's a need of receiving forgiveness, offering forgiveness, God, whatever the need is, your grace is sufficient to meet that need. And so, Lord, help us to experience you in this space and in these moments. Lord, we love you. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.